you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant, socially distancing alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. And uh, uh, I don't I don't even know. I usually try to come up with some question to ask you to enter this, but like, I don't I have nothing right now. Like, everything is the same. Every day is the same. It is. So. Yeah. At this point, um, it is the same, unfortunately. And I feel like it's going to be like this for for some time. I mean, at least there's some hope. Like they're talking about maybe starting baseball at the end of June or the beginning of July. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Anybody who who is used to going to sporting events should forget about that until next year. Because yeah. that's not going to happen. Uh, for At least very likely not going to happen. And if it does, it won't ha- happen until, I mean, late, late, late uh, in the year. But mm-hmm. um, the NFL still expecting to have football whether it starts on time or if it starts a month late so at least we have that to hang our hat on 
Right. And the schedule release is apparently on track to happen in about a week from now, somewhere uh, in that area. So that's right. going to give us a little more something to talk about, too, in the, in the very near future. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's, you know, every day is sort of every day. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to kind of put a button on our NFL draft conversation as we go through some of the big winners and losers, guys uh, who are already in the league, veterans. Uh, who may have been hurt or helped by what their teams did in the drafts. We got a list of names. Uh, Fabs, I know you wrote on NFL.com your winners and losers pieces. So if you want to read those, you can go to NFL.com slash Fabiano and find those there. Uh, got some news headlines as well. But first, let's talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murph, what's going on? I have to ask you guys, because uh, as we just started, I got a couple emails from uh, Amazon about orders being shipped or uh, you know confirmed. Are you guys doing the same thing I am about just ordering stuff that you probably never would have unless you're in quarantine? And then you somehow convince yourself like, oh, I do need a new glass set and a couple extra <laughs> knives and a water bottle and a mouse pad. Oh, it's geez. just like I, I and now I have too many packages. I'm not sure like when <laughs> if I got all of them or not. And I, I have to snap out of this phase of like ordering these things that I, I really probably don't need. I I mean, I've ordered a couple little things around the house that like, you know, I can't find this or I lost this or this was sort of, you know, old or shredded. So I ordered a new one to replace it. I, most of my ordering has been from some of these like new hobbies and cooking projects I've picked up. Like I've decided like this, this is where we are in quarantine now. I've decided to attempt making my own kombucha. I don't even really drink kombucha. It's just something to do. So now I have like two giant glass jars that are waiting to be picked up um, so I can attempt this kombucha that I may or may not ever drink. Who knows? That's awesome, though. (laughs) I have not been doing that. I have not been ordering anything that I don't need because um, uh, I I have everything I need at this point. And I, I, I don't want to spend any money frivolously (laughs) <laughs> during, during yeah. the pandemic, man, I'm just like so trying I, to avoid that altogether. Yeah, no, that, that's probably smart, but you know, whatever. I'm, yeah, to, to make that clear, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not throwing around large amounts of money. I'm just kidding. Like it's just, uh, I usually get by. Like I have a, a, a one of those mouse, uh, wireless mouse for my laptop, and I would just put on top of like a book or something. And then now, just because I'm sitting around, like okay well i should order a mouse pad and then like i like a, a glass in my kitchen broke i'm like well i should order a new set just stuff that you i would never <laughs> ever do bro be honest now I'm doing you've it. already spent at least a hundred dollars on headbands come on let's go no see and no, that's another <laughs> oh i forgot this is another great one a three pack on amazon it's like ten dollars for oh, my <laughs> atrocious hair i gotta stop uh, yeah i feel like everybody has their you know we all we all cope with this differently and i i do think that sort of um comfort shopping <laughs> a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah a lot of retail a lot of retail therapy so all right uh let's dive into this and uh, let's do some news Bit of news that came across the wire this morning before we started recording this podcast. The the Bengals have finally made the decision, and after nine seasons, they have released Andy Dalton. So the Red Rifle is no longer in Cincinnati. I mean, Fabs, this was not a surprise by any stretch. Uh, the, The Bengals went out and took Joe Burrow number one overall. He is their quarterback of the future. Um, you know, I guess they were maybe trying to hold out hope that they could swing a, a trade for Andy Dalton. That's obviously not going to happen. So now he goes into what is a fairly deep 
quarterback free agent pool, man. I know, I know, you know, Jameis Winston just signed with the Saints, but Cam Newton is still out there. There are still some good veteran quarterbacks out there, and it's going to be hard to imagine some of these guys finding homes right away. Do you find it odd that the Bears made a trade for Nick Foles, but Cam Newton <laughs> and Andy Dalton were not able to be traded? I feel like the Bears, again, showing their ineptitude in the front office. Oh by making that move. Um, but regardless, Dalton's going to go to New England or Jacksonville because those are the two best fits for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the pa- the Patriots are really into Jared Stidham or if they've begun the tank for Trevor campaign already. Uh, <laughs> I-, I would suggest the latter is true. So if they are truly tanking this season and trying to win game six to three, then they will not sign Andy Dalton. Um, I-, I Jacksonville is an obvious fit because they have Gardner Minshew and – who knows what you'll get from him as an NFL sophomore. And Jay Gruden's the offensive coordinator there. And uh, Dalton clearly very, very familiar with Gruden's system during their time together in the Queen City. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned Cam Newton and this sort of rolls right into the next thing where Ron Rivera is saying the they are pretty much set in Washington on their quarterback situation. But depending on the circumstances, he might be willing to have a reunion with Cam Newton. You know what that means, uh, Marcus? They're they not fit on their quarterback position. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like they are certainly going to give Dwayne Haskins every opportunity mm-hmm. to be that guy. I mean, yeah. But I think in terms of who's behind him, especially Kyle Allen. Uh, I, you know. I know. I get it. I, I just I don't. I feel like if circumstances were different, and I said this on the show before, and, and Cam Newton was available as a free agent before they made the trade for Kyle Allen, that they would have probably went there. The, the Redskins offensive line is very questionable, uh, especially mm-hmm. after they traded Trent Williams, who was disgruntled mm-hmm. and, and they shipped him off to San Francisco. Dwayne Haskins can't move back there. I mean, he I mean, he's not Dan Marino immobile, but he's not the most mobile dude in the world. Right. And if they can get I mean, listen, you know, Ron Rivera doesn't want to come in there and rebuild for two or three years. I mean, he wants to win games. So mm-hmm. I would not be surprised at the end of the day if Cam Newton ended up going there on a very, very team friendly deal. But. He could say what he wants, and I feel like the advantage that Haskins has is that there's not going to be any OTAs, so you're not going to be able to see him play poorly or play well, whatever the case may be. And so the Redskins can sort of, you know, throw all their money in the Haskins hat and and project him to be their starter. But at the end of the day, how confident Rivera is in Haskins remains to be seen. Yeah, um, I, I do think they're they're certainly trying to hedge their bets potentially there with the quarterback. Here's the thing. I think Cam Newton still has a lot left. I mean, if he is healthy, if everything sure. is right, Cam Newton can still be a very productive quarterback, which sort of, you know, it's a head scratcher why he's still out there. I mean, maybe it, it is a financial thing for a lot. I think of it's because they don't know how healthy he is because they can't do exams on him. That's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um uh, yeah, I, I guess the combination of that, and again, like I don't know what he wants financially if that has an impact on it as well. Sure, sure. we'll see. But I, I think, I think at some point, Cam Newton's going to get a call. Andy Dalton's going to get a call. These guys have done too much in this league for too long to not be on a roster somewhere. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we'll you see. know, Joe Flacco's still out there too. <laughs> Joe Flacco's still out there is another one, right? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Joe Flacco, whatever. But I mean, he's still <laughs> out there also. So there's there's at least three veteran quarterbacks out there that teams can uh, pick and choose from if they uh, so desire.
look, I mean, when guys like Matt Schaub can can hang around this league, I mean, what he's still on a roster, he's still on the Falcons roster, right? I mean, if 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 Matt Schaub can hang around this league, those other guys can find Bro. jobs. Somewhere. Sean Mannion has a job. Blaine Gabbert has a job. Brian Hoyer right. has a job. AJ McCarron has a job. Nathan Peterman has a job. Right. I mean, the the two or three guys we named before that were all better than that list. There's two guys <laughs> just, who played in the XFL who have jobs. So, yeah. Um, some sort of bad news for our fantasy purposes. Uh, Eric DaCosta says the Ravens want to use all four running backs. Wonderful. In 2020. So, right. I mean, we were already sort of trying to figure out what's going to happen with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. Now you can throw in Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. And this thing, I mean, if, if this is true, Fabs, this – this is sort of on par with what we were worried about with the 49ers this time last year when they had all those guys and we're talking about using all four of them. I mean, this makes this just a headache beyond belief right now. Yeah. I don't know if I buy it all four guys. Like, okay, what percentage <laughs> of touches are we talking about? Like, you know, if, if Mark Ingram is at 50% and Dobbins is at 30% and Edwards is at 20%, I mean, you know, what's the, so I take that kind of, that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. It's still right. going to end up being Ingram and Dobbins at the end of the day. I mean, they can sprinkle in the bus and Justice Hill if they show if they so desire. But I don't feel like that's going to be more than a two-headed monster when we talk about percentage of touches in that backfield. It's going to be Ingram and it's going to be Dobbins. And at some point very soon, probably in 2021, it's going to be a lot of Dobbins. I love this. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think, too. I think Dobbins is going to be very – quickly slide in there and, and start gobbling up a lot of those touches. Um, you know, early on, I, I expect we'll see quite a bit of Mark Ingram, but I, you know, he's not the way of the future there in that, that Baltimore backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucks have exercised their option on OJ Howard. So they're going to keep that tight end there, which Fabs, this, this made sense to me. I mean, everybody kept saying once they signed Gronk or traded for Gronk rather that uh, they were going to move OJ Howard. And I just kept feeling like, well, Gronk right now is maybe a two year option. Um, why not keep yourself as a young tight end, try to play some 12 personnel, see if you can make this work a little bit. So, um, yeah, look, the, the targets are going to be frustrating, I think, for him. But uh, uh, we at least know that he's in an offense where I guess there potentially are targets. I don't know. I'm trying to look at I'm trying to silver lining this thing right now. There's a lot of mouse to feed in that offense. I mean, that that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And, and last year. Tampa Bay's uh, most prevalent personnel grouping was the 11 uh, at nearly 60%. They ran the 12 about 20%, but they didn't have Robert Gronkowski at that time. So you would think that right. that percentage should go up. And now that they've basically uh, you know, committed here to OJ Howard, and Cam Brady's in that mix too. So Tom Brady has an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. I really like Keyshawn Vaughn as a potential sleeper. And you have to start thinking to yourself – at what point do you start or do you even start at all to maybe drop Mike Evans and Chris Godwin a couple of spots at the wide receiver position? Is Julio Jones better than those guys now? Is Tyreek Hill better than those guys now? Because there's so many players in that offense. Uh, are their numbers going to be um, duplicatable? Is that, a, is that a word? Can it they is now. I just made it up. Can they duplicate the numbers that they produced in, on a on a points per game basis uh, last season? Can they duplicate that in 2020 with the added weapons in that offense? That's a yeah, question. yeah. Mike Evans is the one who worries me the most. I, I just feel like Chris Godwin sort of jumps in and and maybe is the the 
comparison to Julian Edelman in terms of what you know, Brady might use him for, that sort of thing. So I think Godwin's targets will stay fairly steady. I just think for for Evans, I think those those deep throws, those air yards aren't going to quite be there. And I worry about what they do with him around the goal line with Gronk there, with OJ Howard there, with so many of those guys there. Um, you know, I, Evans is the one who worries me maybe the most. But By the way, duplicatable, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. a word. Dan. Sweet. All right. Um, it's a word, Eddie. I saw that smile on your face. You don't, you don't have quite enough letters like in Scrabble because like, you only get seven at a time. So you have true. to get somebody else. Capable to, of like, being so. duplicated, duplicable, right. consistent, capable of being reproduced. Giddy up. Sweet. Webster's, give us a sponsorship. Hey, man, um, people are trying to teach their kids at home. I'm just helping. Uh, in Pittsburgh, GM Kevin Colbert says the Steelers are comfortable with their backup quarterback situation. Okay, now we just had a <laughs> we just had a long conversation about Andy Dalton being released and Cam Newton and Joe Flacco being out there. Uh, I mean, look, we watched what happened with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges last year, and I don't know how you could watch that and say you're comfortable with your backup quarterback situation. This this just feels like blowing smoke, and I. I, I don't know. Is this is this the Steelers trying to feel better about not getting Jameis Winston? Is that what this is? I don't know, bro. All I know is that uh, denial is not just a river in Egypt. Okay, <laughs> if you watched that team with, listen, y- your quarterback, his nickname was Duck. That's all you need to know. You don't want to have a nickname Duck when you're a quarterback. And I, Roethlisberger has been relatively durable during his career and you know the stories about him being a warrior and he's got injuries and he plays through them yada 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 uh but the dude is 37 years old he only played two games last season and if some situation occurs where Roethlisberger gets hurt again Marcus does that make you and I know you're a USC homer so maybe it's not with with uh with Juju but does that make you less likely to draft Steelers because in the worst case scenario if Roethlisberger goes down again, they're basically dead in the water from a fantasy perspective and uh, projected to be very unreliable without him under center. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, look, I, and I say this as somebody who drafted Juju last year and was like all in thinking that he was going to step up in a big way and it all fell apart when Roethlisberger went down. And and I think, you know, at this point, you mentioned the age for, for Big Ben, the fact that throughout the entirety of his career he has dealt with injuries so as he gets older it just seems more likely that it's going to happen again and and it does make you worried about Juju Deontay Johnson James Washington like all those guys there you can't help but be a little bit concerned so I think you know I think you have to start to kind of bake that in to their draft value just because you don't you you can't you can't predict injuries but you can also sort of you know read the tea leaves a little bit and sort of know how things go um so I think I think it is wise to sort of proceed with caution when yeah, and also too, I think people need to keep this in mind. This is uncharted territory for everyone, including the players and the coaches with this coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. Are these guys going to be in great shape once, once camps actually can open? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you've seen photos of him, right? Um, you know, he kind of looks like Yukon Cornelius from he's, Rudolph he's, the Red Ranger like at this point. At but, Thor and, you know, no, <laughs> in the Avengers so, so, right. I mean, so like, if there's if there's no OTAs, which that's what I would predict, and there's limited training camp, and maybe it starts late, and there's not a, as much time for these guys to get back into football shape, do they become more prone to injuries too? Got to ask. Yeah, that, that is that is a, a very good question, um, and that's one way we 
we won't know until we actually see it. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of all there is to it. Uh, Adam Vinatieri at age 47 says he intends to return for another season, but as the coronavirus uh, continues along, he says he's having a hard time working out and rehabbing after an injury last year. I mean, I know we don't talk kickers a lot, and I certainly would never dare to tell somebody else what to do with their life and career. Um, I, I feel like Adam Vinatieri, though, after last year, sort of, uh, in fantasy leagues gets drafted on name value alone and not necessarily because of his productivity because it was it was a rough year for him last it year. It was. And I love Vinatieri. I interviewed him years and years ago uh, when he was with the Patriots for the Italian Sports Hall of Fame, which is in Chicago. So oh. uh, I, I would never besmirch a, a, a fellow Paisan, but mm-hmm. it, it might be time to move on. It, it might be time to move on. I mean, we thought there are better happen. kickers out there that are still looking for jobs. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was going to happen midway through last season when he missed a string of, of extra points and, and field mm-hmm. goals. And it seemed at one point like maybe he was going to just retire midseason. But uh, I don't know, maybe he's maybe he really is trying to play until he's 50. Like maybe that's the goal right now. So, could be. Yeah, so could we'll be. see. Um, I just saw this on Twitter and I, I want to get your your thoughts on this, Fabs, as our oh, resident right. Cowboys fan. So oh. apparently... C.D. Lamb is going to wear number 88, which has been previously worn by Michael Irvin, Drew Pearson, and Des Bryant. Wait, Apparently you Lamb- forgot somebody who wore 88. Let me see if you can remember. Oh, I don't I don't know if I can. <laughs> uh, Antonio I, Bryant. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't going to come up with that one. You remember, <laughs> you remember that one? <laughs> I do. Uh, apparently, he wanted to wear number 10, but Jerry Jones is insisting that Lamb wears 88. Uh, how do you feel about this? I mean, it is it is kind of a special number in cowboy history. I know, but but it has been for a long time, and people keep wearing it. So, like, if <laughs> like if Mike is okay with it, then hell, let him wear it. I, I like Drew Pearson was a great cowboy who should be in the Hall of Fame. He right. wore that number. Um, you know, I, I mean, there there's been there's been some really amazing wide receivers who have worn that number throughout the course of Cowboys history, and I hope Marcus that. Uh, CD lamb is the next one to wear that number and, and be an absolute star. I mean, like Des Bryant. So it's, to me, it's fine. And if Irv's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And Irv so, seems to be okay with it. So basically this, this sort of means that if you're the Cowboys, you can't really retire that number. I mean, I guess you could, if somebody just is head and shoulders above everybody else, but I mean, you're talking about between Pearson and Irvin, I mean, two next level guys. Des Bryant was excellent when he played. It, like, it is weird to me. Yeah, it is weird to me because, like, think about it. Have you seen an eight? No. Have you seen a twenty-two? No. No. Well, you've seen you've seen eighty-eight. Seen 88? A lot. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why because Irv was just just as important as uh, as the rest of the triplets right. to the Cowboys I, dynasty back in the good old days. So all even maybe, maybe he's sort of maybe Jerry's trying to make eighty-eight. Like college football programs always have that they have that one number that like a guy wears and you got to be really special to wear it. Like at USC wearing 55 is a big deal. Willie McGinnis was 55. Oh yeah. Sale was 55, Sale. you know, like to wear 55 and play defense and play linebacker at USC, mm-hmm. like you got to be something next level. So maybe that's what, what uh, Jerry's trying to do with 88. Now. I always thought it was weird that, you know, you don't see, you don't see Troy, you don't see uh, Emmett. Um, those numbers are, are not going to be worn, but, but Irv, mm-hmm. they maybe maybe Irv told Jerry, I'm, I, I want that I want that number to 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 sort of you know live on in, in Cowboys lore and have yeah. these great wide receivers wear it. I mean, Des, you know, Des wore it probably yeah. and did and did great things with it. Antonio Bryant, yeah. maybe not so much, but um, 
it has been like that number where the Cowboys give it to a guy who's who's young and projected to potentially be a star at the next level. And uh, C.D. Lamb certainly is uh, fitting the, that category. Well, good luck to C.D. Lamb. Hopefully uh, he continues to live up to that standard that has been set by the greats who have worn 88 in the past. And that is pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right. Winners and losers from the draft. Now that we are past that, that's in the rearview mirror. It is time to sort of take stock of rosters, see which guys came out on the upswing, which guys not so much. Uh, obviously, let's just let's start with the winners. And again, uh, Fabs wrote a list of, of guys on both sides, winners and losers. You can check it out at NFL.com slash Fabiano. Uh, for me, maybe the biggest winner in the draft last week was Drew Locke. Uh, they went out, they draft uh, several wide receivers. They get KJ Hamler. They get Jerry Judy in the first round. They, they draft Albert O. Okuya Boonham. <laughs> Albert O. Okuya Boonham. Yeah. Uh, they draft I need, I need Akbar to help me pronounce know, that. So we, like, Akbar would, would give us the proper pronunciation. Um, but Drew Locke wins, man. I mean, like the, the Broncos believe he is their quarterback of the future and they are getting him the tools to be successful. Like he, he's got to be happy about that. Yeah, dude, it was like Christmas, man, the draft uh, for him. I mean, you get Jerry Judy, you get KJ Hamler, uh, you get Albert O, you've already got Melvin Gordon, you've already got Corlin Sutton, you've already got Noah Fant, you've already got Deshaun Ham. Okay, maybe not. But so Locke, <laughs> he is going to be one of those nice, deep fantasy sleepers that you're going to be able to get in one of the last two or three rounds. It's all on him now, Marcus. It really is mm-hmm. because Elway has put him in a, in a perfect position to succeed. If the Broncos offense doesn't click, well, then the Elway may be trying to pick up Cam Newton, you know, <laughs> uh, if he's not already scooped up. So Drew Locke is in a really good spot to succeed. I'm not going to tell you he's going to come out there uh, and, and be an elite fantasy quarterback, but he showed some flashes last year and he's in a position to be useful from a fantasy perspective. I mean, I, I want to say that I like him as a sleeper, but it always comes back to quarterback being so deep that it, it really is hard to, you know, uh, kind of kick down that door a little bit. I mean, yeah. is there – look, if, if if everything goes right for him this year, can he get to the top 12, top 10? Is that possible? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> There's too many good quarterbacks out there, man. I like – but but also, like, I mean, that doesn't mean that he can't be useful. I mean, look right. at all the quarterbacks who scored well over 200 fantasy points last season. So so he'll, he'll be useful. Uh, he's going to be a matchup-based starter. But we still don't know a whole heck of a lot about Drew Locke. He yeah. did play a little bit last year, very small sample size. So uh, the, the the jury is still out. Yeah. Uh, let's stay with the quarterback theme, right? The, the Raiders quarterback, whomever it may be, uh, presumably it's going to be Derek Carr right now, but Marcus Mariota is there, can certainly challenge for that job. Uh, whoever it is. I mean, again, the Raiders were another team that went out and they loaded up on pass catchers. It was a weakness last year, especially after the Antonio Brown debacle uh, happened. I mean, so they go out and they get Henry Ruggs. They add Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. They get Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Uh, Again, you pair them all with Darren Waller. You got Tyrell Williams, who's sort of in there and now battling, I guess it looks like for snaps and, and targets potentially. But whoever the Raiders quarterback is going to be, again, they're going to have options does this make you feel better about one or the other of those guys this year not i don't know that either one's going to get drafted in like a standard 10 team league um Mm. because there's just so many good quarterbacks but 
mean, you add Ruggs, you add Edwards, you add uh, Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Uh, and I mean, you've already got, like you said, Williams, you've got Darren Waller, you've got uh, Hunter Renfro. Um, there's, there's a ton of weapons there. Derek Carr was 30th in the league last season among quarterbacks and throws over 20 yards. Uh, that needs to change, Marcus. If he mm-hmm. can't get downfield, and let's keep in mind, his last two most reliable and most popular receivers were tight ends, Waller and Jared Cook. That's mm-hmm. not a coincidence. He needs to go downfield. If he doesn't go downfield, they're going to bring Marcus Mariota in there. And I don't know how much better that's going to be for the right. Raiders. But in terms of what they added, the pieces are in place for those quarterbacks to put up some decent numbers, even though they're not going to be super significant from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be kind of the – like you look at it and I just wonder like what, what happens? Like you, you get these guys who can stretch the field, who can be burners. And now you're just going to have quarterbacks that, that throw check downs. Yeah. That's why, um, that's why rugs. I mean, as much as I love him, it's a weird fit. It's a weird, right. I mean like CD lamb would have been, not that I'm complaining, you know, how about them Cowboys? But like, it's just, <laughs> it's just a strange fit. It's not like they have Jeff George back there and any millennials who don't know Jeff George go back and look him up. He never really materialized in the NFL, but that right. dude had an absolute hand oh, cannon. He had a hose. Yeah, he, he had, had a, hose. a hose. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just I always go back to Daniel Jeremiah's tweet. I think from last season that uh, you know basically Jameis Winston shoots too many threes and Marcus Mariota shoots shoots too many layups. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> you know? So so that that's what always just sticks with me. Yeah. Um, Todd Gurley. Comes out clean. I mean, we thought that the the Falcons were going to at some point draft a running back. Um, You know, they've got Gurley there on a one-year deal. So you figure they're going to start at least kicking the tires on guys, seeing what's down the road there. They don't. So they're going to go into the season, at least right now, with Todd Gurley. I mean, behind him, they've got Ito Smith, Quadri Ellison, Brian Hill in Uh some order there. Uh, But, yeah, this this is a huge win for Todd Gurley, knowing that he doesn't really have to look over his shoulder for anybody to compete with touches now. And Gurley's got a lot to prove this year, too, because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he's singing for his supper. If he can go out there and play and prove that he's uh, healthy uh, at, you know, at, at some high level, then he has the potential to potentially get a more lucrative contract uh, in, in his age 26 season because he's only 25 years old. This is, he's not an old dude. <laughs> he just got older knees. Right. And this has helped his value without question. He Not that he's going to be back to being like an elite RB1 like he was a couple of seasons ago. But Mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable drafting him as an RB2 because I know the touches are going to be there. I know he's got a lot of help on the offensive side of the football. Good luck trying to stack the box against against Todd Gurley uh, and Matt Ryan because Julio Jones and and Calvin Ridley will will, will scorch your shorts. So it's a good good sign that Gurley is going to be uh, a featured back. And, you know, you've mentioned this before too, Marcus. Hopefully he's going to catch more balls out of the backfield in that offense Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of my big wish for him is that he gets more targets. That was uh, surprisingly, shockingly absent from his game mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see if he bounces back there. Leonard Fournette, which I think is I think I think he does win. And maybe in a weird way, he wins because, you know, in most other situations, teams are looking to move running backs. They're trying to get cheaper and younger at the running back position. And the Jaguars seem like they're sort of fed up with Leonard Fournette. <laughs> like you hear all these stories about him showing up late to meetings and, and his immaturity and just not being prepared. But no one wants to trade for his contract. No one wants to add, you know, a, a running back that you have to load up with touches. 
And at the same time, Jacksonville doesn't go out and draft anybody to put behind him or to compete with him. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is a case where sort of being a running back that has, like, big salary demands uh, weirdly worked out in his favor, right? I mean, he's still I mean, going to be the guy. Assuming he wants to remain in Jacksonville, which I'm sure at this point, if you go through his Twitter mm-hmm. timeline, he's probably, you know, said a few things that uh, maybe would, would suggest he doesn't want to be. But where the hell is he going to go, Marcus? And who's going to go? Him? Right. You know, no one's and, and and I love running backs. God bless them. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I'm so happy he got paid. But that's the plight of running backs in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams think they are replaceable. And so Fournette. I, hey, if he's smart, Marcus, he's going to put his head down. He's going to mm-hmm. he's going to phase out the noise and he's going to kick butt on the gridiron and prove that he's worth a lucrative deal and that he's not a headache. That's what he needs to do. Whether or not he does it is a different question. But right. he's the, he's he's a high RB2 in fantasy because the touches are going to be there. I feel like the receptions are going to decline, but hopefully the touchdowns goes up. He only had three last season, so I, I would think he's definitely going to see an increase in touchdowns. So if you can get that number to maybe eight and keep the receptions in the you know drop from dropping significantly. I mean, he had 76 last year, so if he can keep that in the in the 50s, yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty decent production there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know it's funny. I I got I, I drafted Leonard Fournette in a lot of leagues in like the third round. He kind of fell to me, and I was sort of like, eh. And for the most part, it was fine. Like the touchdown number was certainly less than than what you would have wanted, but sure. he got plenty of opportunity, and so it ended up being actually an okay pick for where I, I got him in in most drafts. Um, speaking of drafts, I I just finished a dynasty kind of startup draft. And as I got into the later rounds, I saw Raheem Mostert sitting there. And, you know, this was before the NFL draft happened. So I drafted him figuring he's going to be the guy that probably gets the bulk of the touches in the Niner running game this coming season. Then, lo and behold, the Niners go out and they trade Matt Breida away to the Miami Dolphins. And suddenly that pick looks even better. I feel so much better about my Raheem Mostert pick. Yes, I know Jeff Wilson is still there. Uh, Jerick McKinnon right now is still there and there's talk that he's going to be the passing game, uh, passing down back. But Fabs, I mean, if you're picking a 49er back where he most, it seems like he's the choice right now. Yeah, dude, no question about that. And he, he took that featured job last year and he, and you know, literally ran with it. He was very mm-hmm. good. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said, Hey man, he, Raheem Mostert has proven that he can be the top guy. And I think part of the reason why they, they, they parted ways with, with Matt Breida is because they know McKinnon's going to be back. They didn't have four running backs uh, that they could potentially use. And Mostert, I'd rather get him as a high flex, but if you get him as a low two, I think that's that's probably where he's going to end up landing because how many times have we said it? Running backs in that Shanahan system can really thrive. Shanahan made Carlos Hyde a fantasy stud. Okay, (laughs) Let's remember that. 59 catches that year. So yep. um, uh, Mohostert's in a good spot to succeed. Yeah, we already know uh, that. no doubt. Uh, last couple of winners here, a pair of tight ends. One who is moving, one who is staying put. Hayden Hurst, who I, look, I, I loved the guy. I loved his talent when he was drafted. He just went to the Ravens, who always have a revolving door. And he was uh, a first-round pick, too. Yeah, yeah. He just never – he never got – I don't think he got the opportunity, but he was just such in a such a crowded tight end room all the time there in Baltimore. Yep. Uh, now he goes to Atlanta, where he is the guy. Takes over for Austin Hooper, who went to Cleveland. So there's opportunity for him there. 
Mike Gesicki stays in Miami, but Fabs, they started to sort of de-emphasize him as a blocker and make him more of a route runner as the season went on last year. And look, in a world where we are thirsty for tight ends all of the time, having two guys now in, in larger roles with potentially more target share, that is super exciting right now. It is. Gesicki is one of my favorite sleeper tight ends. And, mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to be talking about him towards the end of last season when he started to put up some numbers and he started to flash and people were actually starting him with a little bit more confidence. And the Dolphins had a really good draft, right? I mean, they bolstered the offensive line for Fitzpatrick slash Tua. Uh, they they traded for Brita. And one thing that they didn't do is they didn't take a single pass catcher until the last round, and that was mm-hmm. Navy's Malcolm Perry. So Gesicki's his path to targets and potentially being a really nice fantasy option. Uh, that path is clear. So he's on that borderline of tight end one, tight end two in my rankings. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, look, it's still a situation where I think you get the top three or four guys I mean, you've got your Kelsey's, your Kittles, uh, you throw an Ertz, maybe Mark Andrews in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's sort of a mishmash, but I think getting guys like Hurst and Gasicki at the end of your draft has a lot more reward than risk potentially attached to yep. them. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So the losers, the guys who are probably not feeling so great about their situations after the draft. And, and we talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers uh, earlier in the week, but I just think we have to revisit this, right? Because the one thing that we all just knew the Packers were going to do in this draft was get a wide receiver. We just knew it. Like they didn't have a choice. We watched them, you know, try to figure out how to make it work with Marquez Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison and, you know, uh, Alan Lazard and Equinemius St. Brown and, you know, you name it. Uh, And I just didn't work, but they don't draft a wide receiver at all. Instead they get a backup quarterback, they get a running back, they get like a blocking tight end um, I, I, I moved Aaron Rodgers out of my top 10 quarterbacks this year. I mean, am I, am I, am I overthinking this? Am I overreacting? I don't think so. He's, okay. he's borderline QB one, QB two right now, which, which mm-hmm. stinks. Uh, the, if the, if we look at what the Packers did in the draft and that is supposed to be sort of a window into what they're going to do offensively, what is it? What do you learn, Marcus? They're going to run the ball. You know, I mean, they drafted AJ Dillon. It's good news for Alan Lazard. His value certainly goes up. But uh, the Packers were in a spot where they could uh, make Rodgers great again. And unfortunately, they did not do that. They drafted his backup. And I would not be shocked. And I heard that Brett Favre said this as well. Aaron Rodgers is not going to finish his career in Green Bay. It's not going to happen. No. He's probably going to end up in New England. They're going to another Super Bowl, right? I mean, th- that, that would be such a pain. Look at, look at Eddie. <laughs> look at Eddie. He's like, <laughs> no, don't do that. But Rodgers is not going to finish his career. How can he be happy with this, Marcus? Okay? No. They, they draft Jordan Love. And they don't give him any help in the passing game at all. Nothing. And they draft a running back. Where they already have two good ones, and I get it. They're both free agents at the end of 2020. But still, I, listen, This the, the, the Packers made some weird decisions. The Bears made some weird decisions. And unfortunately, Rodgers' value is going to stay stagnant uh, from a fantasy standpoint. And as you mentioned, they're, they're, they're likely guys who are going to move up and pass him. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I wonder if if you could if he would be candid just privately. I mean, as frustrated as he was at the end of the Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay, uh, would he would he maybe go back <laughs> to that? Because it seems like <laughs> well, well, the, cow- like- the Cowboys don't need him. But I, yeah, like, yeah, but I mean, going back to that era, 
Yeah. yeah. You know? I, I don't know. LaFleur's, Lefle- you know, he's going to LaFleur. He's going to do his thing. So, it's, you know, be careful what you wish for because sometimes mm-hmm. it, it comes back to bite you. That's true. Um, the rest of the guys on the downside, I just have a string of running backs. Uh, let's start with let's just start with Marlon Mack in Indianapolis, a guy who I really liked. I thought could be I thought last year could be a breakout season for him. And they just they had a lot of things sort of go wrong in the Colts offense, namely injuries to their wide receivers. Uh, a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who just doesn't push the ball downfield. Mac got hurt a little bit himself. Now they go out and they get Jonathan Taylor. I don't think Marlon Mack goes away completely, Fabs, but I also think he is going to have to fight really hard to try to be a starter now with Jonathan Taylor being on the roster. Yeah, I, I can't see I can't see him being the starter. The Colts didn't didn't move up to get Taylor to keep him behind Mack on the depth chart. I mean, maybe initially that'll happen, but at some point the the talent's going to sort of. Uh, seep through and the and the cream will rise to the to the top there. So Mac right now is more of an RB four. Jonathan Taylor is an RB two. With running backs, a lot of time you draft on that potential and that upside. The offensive line is tremendous. So Taylor ended up in a really good spot long term. This season there may be some question marks in terms of how how many consistent touches he gets per game because Mac is in the mix. And don't forget about Naheem Hines as well. Mm-hmm. But Mac went from a borderline rb2 to backup in fantasy yeah yeah i mean i think that's that's sort of the thing uh and you mentioned naheem hines i mean if he keeps his role as the pass catcher then that makes it even more difficult um you know if, if it's a situation yeah. where the the colts are playing from behind or in a hurry up offense then mm-hmm. that that diminishes max uh snaps even more so yep. uh it is it is a worrisome trend similarly in detroit carry on johnson uh, you know, look, he's he's had his injury issues his first couple of years in the league, and now the Lions go out and get DeAndre Swift, and that to me, Fabs just seemed like a signal that the Lions, their patience has worn thin, waiting on Carryon Johnson, and they are ready to make a big step. And and this is another one where I, I find it hard to think Carryon Johnson is really going to be the starter uh, come week one for this team. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, he's still only 22 years old, too. But, I yeah. mean, 18 games in two years. He's not durable. Uh, he averaged 3.6 yards per rush last year. That's not good. And, listen, I mean, nothing on carry-on. But, like, DeAndre Swift is just a better back. <laughs> yeah. Detroit yeah. didn't you know, Detroit didn't draft him to put him behind carry-on Johnson. I mean, they're going to use him. He's going to end up being the starter. He'll lead that team in backfield touches. And he'll lead that he'll lead that backfield in fantasy points too. I was in a draft with uh, some SiriusXM folks. Uh, I ended up getting him in the fifth round. It's a twelve team league, and I feel like that's probably where DeAndre Swift is going to end up, fifth or sixth round, where Carryon Johnson will be dragging behind and mm-hmm. and not get drafted probably until the middle to late rounds. Yeah. Um, so I mean, just it. it I think it kind of caught at least it caught me by surprise because I didn't think either of those teams were going to necessarily be in the market for one of those top running backs. I mean, I, I thought maybe you could see one of them go to Tampa. Um, you know, I, I just didn't think that that Indy or Detroit would be you know, making the that whole draft went know. like that Marcus. I mean, like, you know, Baltimore <laughs> took a running back and we were like, what the, and Atlanta didn't, I mean, and the Packers took a running back. This draft was really weird. Uh, yeah. If you're looking at it through that fantasy lens. Yeah, well, speaking of the the Ravens taking a running back, I mean, Mark Ingram ends up, uh, you know, he he just has to be frustrated, right? I mean, this is a guy who's been when he's been given the opportunity has been productive, but he has always had to battle 
for snaps, for touches, whatever. When it was, you know, all those years in in New Orleans, even before Alvin Kamara came, Mark Ingram was always sort of, you know, in the background trying to fight for touches. Then Kamara came in and he had to split time there. Now he goes to Baltimore. Looks like he is kind of ready to be the guy alongside uh, Lamar Jackson in the backfield. And then the Ravens go out and they get J.K. Dobbins. And so, you know, I guess Mark Ingram is used to having to fight for snaps and compete and that sort of thing. But it was sort of nice, you know, Fabs having a sense of clarity in that backfield that now seems to be gone. Yeah, it is. Um, and I love that fit for Ingram last season, but now JK Dobbins is, is going to be the running back of the future, a really yeah. strong dynasty pick, a guy who, uh, you know, was among the best in terms of uh, yards after contact last season uh, in college. Uh, if you look at the numbers on PFF, mm-hmm. he he's, he's a playmaker. He's an inside runner. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So he's an all-around back. I don't like the fit this year, but long-term, J.K. Dobbins is going to be a fantasy star. And now you 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 have to downgrade Ingram from a really nice RB2 to more of a flex starter where the week-to-week production, Marcus, might really depend on whether or not he gets into the end zone. Right. I mean, that that really is the thing. Well, and the frustrating part about that was that Lamar Jackson took so many of those rushing touchdowns last year mm-hmm. that already made it difficult when they would get close. Uh, you know, Jackson, a lot of times, would just keep it and he would score himself. So, you know, if, if now you've got Dobbins taking away some of those other touches, too, this gets really hard to project. Um, yeah. And I think I think in the short term, it's going to be something where all of those guys are going to be frustrating until Baltimore decides to make a move. And it likely that means Mark Ingram's not going to be there. So um, I want Devin Singletary to be great. I want him to get all the touches. <laughs> I, I thought maybe it could might happen, but now the bills go out and they draft Zach Moss, who look, I, I don't want to say he's going to take over the Frank Gore role, but I mean, he is that guy who probably gets those goal line touches when Josh Allen isn't the one running them in. So now Devin Singletary, again, Fabs, becomes a guy that it's hard to count on him as, say, an RB2 or anything because you just mm-hmm. the, the touchdown upside is completely gone again. Yeah, it is. And it stinks because Singletary is a good back, and he, and he was – really, his roles, I don't know it's going to change significantly because if you look at the second half of last year, he was basically the guy. But as you mentioned, like once they get down into the red zone, it's Josh Allen. At that point, it was Frank Gore. And, and, and what is Zach Moss's strength? That dude – is a tackle breaking machine oh, and a bully. yards after yeah. contact machine yeah. last year uh, among FBS running backs, he was eighth in yards after contact. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. th- and there, I mean, th- there's a lot of running backs, man. And he was eighth. So yep. AJ Dillon was sixth, by the way, and Dobbins was fourth, uh, Jonathan Taylor third. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind as well. But Moss puts a dent into Singletary's value without question. Yeah. Not, not, uh, not, just- it's not a death blow. But it hurts. <laughs> the death blow. Um, it's that right. Yeah, I I mean, I, I wanted Devin Singletary to sort of follow the same trajectory as Miles Sanders. Because like in Philly, all signs point towards Sanders getting a larger workload. And we, we sort of saw it at the end of last year. Um, you know, Jordan Howard now being in, in Miami definitely helps. And, and I kind of wanted Singletary to follow the same path. But it just doesn't look like that's going to work out in, in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Los Angeles, uh, you know, 
we seem to jump on and off the Daryl Henderson hype train at oh you know, everybody's off it now, bro. Everybody. Yeah, everybody's off now, right? At the start of last year, all the talk about Todd Gurley and his arthritic knees, and everybody jumped on the Henderson bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't really work out, but then Gurley leaves, so we we get back on it again. And now Cam Akers shows up in town, and that train is emptying out. Uh, I mean, Henderson goes back to what being a a later round right. kind of depth add at this point on most fantasy rosters yeah I mean, dude acres he could be a three down back i mean mm-hmm. i believe he had what was it 28 catches in his final season there at florida state he uh he averaged around five yards a carry behind a crappy offensive line and dude they drafted him i feel like he's the number one guy uh 12th among fbs running backs last year in uh yards after contact henderson's gonna have a role but let this be a reminder that um there's no proven guaranteed way to project players because last year the two biggest i feel like the two biggest twitter uh college players coming out that everyone was in love with was henderson and akeem butler and Mm -hmm. (laughs) akeem butler has disappeared off the face of the earth and daryl henderson did not come in and put a dent into Gurley's touches last year and now that gurley has gone the rams did not have enough faith in him as a starter uh to avoid drafting a running back and they did and cam Akers is going to be the guy there in, in la sooner rather than later yeah i just i wonder if the rams have kind of gotten over having a workhorse back because even even though Gurley didn't uh, catch possible, many passes yes. mm-hmm. uh he didn't catch as many passes but he was still primarily the guy i mean you know he he did most of the work i wonder if they if they are going to continue that trend or if they do start to work somebody in um again all questions that we can't answer until we see them I mean, <laughs> we're not going to have uh, at least we're not going to have, I think, a normal training camp or anything like that. So we're not we're not going to really know the answer to these. Um, so I guess. By the way, I, and, and this is, you know, obviously a larger philosophical question that I know you don't know the answer to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, I mean, like. Preseason games, you know, training camps, how, when, where, I mean, do they I, I don't. I know I'm sort of babbling here, but I mean, these are all things that, you know, whenever the season starts, you're not just going to jump in and start playing games week one. I mean, guys have to be able to ramp up and I think they have to have some sort of snaps and some sort of, you know, preseason work. Mm-hmm. Um, how? I mean, I, I know that's, you know, above our pay grade, but it's just something rolling around in my brain right now. Yeah. Um, my guess is that they're going to be hard pressed to start the season on time as much as they might want to. Mm-hmm. And there there has to be some sort of language in the CBA where, you know, NFL teams just can't expect players to come right in and start playing football games. There's got to be some sort of training camp period. There's got to be, maybe it's a shortened preseason, but right. my guess is that the season will not start on time and that you will, you will see football and you will see a 16 game schedule. You will see it in front of no fans. It will be for television only. God forbid anybody, test positive for the coronavirus because that would potentially be disastrous. I don't know that I don't know that there's going to be college football. There's going to be baseball. Hopefully baseball can help the other sports with a model that works because they're going to get the first crack at it. I I think, I mean, I don't know what the status of the NBA playoffs is, is at this point. I don't know that they're going to have that. I'm sure Mark Cuban uh, and the owners certainly want to have that. And they're going to push for it. Maybe they will attempt it, but these other sports hopefully are going to give the NFL a model in terms of how to succeed or fail, uh, to be honest with you. 
in in this in this COVID world that we're living in right now. So my guess would be that with no OTAs, all the players are already going to be behind. Uh, they're going to be behind in terms of you know getting rapports with their teammates, getting back into football shape, maybe getting into shape regardless, and for their protection and for their health and for the safety of the players and really for for the for the health of the league. You, you don't want you don't want the league to throw out an awful product out there because half of right. these guys are out of shape and and, and haven't played with each other. So th- there's going to be some kind of training camp. There's going to be some kind of preseason, maybe shortened preseason. But my guess would be that you know we're we're looking at football starting a little bit later than uh, we're used to. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of the consensus. And like I said, there are, there are a whole lot of logistics that um, mm-hmm. again people who get paid a hell of a lot more than I do. Uh, are in charge of figuring out but well we should uh, get it we should get a a look at what they're planning with the schedule release which is supposed to happen i believe may 9th although i've heard Uh, yeah next thrown out there too sometime in the next week basically is where i'm going Mm -hmm. about about a week or so from now is when we're thinking schedule release may happen um Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll get a better idea i I mean we know yeah we know the opponents we just don't know right we don't know the order And, and is the nfl also is there a contingency schedule too where it's just East Coast teams against East Coast teams and, you know, country, the country sort of split from, into three quadrants like baseball did. I don't know. From from what I, I have read, um, you know, there is uh, apparently the schedule has been built so that, you know, in worst case scenario, it can be collapsed. Uh, it can be set up to, uh, you know, kind of adjust for whatever the the conditions on the ground are, so to speak. So, right. mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like, we're all, we'll all find out together yeah. <laughs> when this yeah. schedule gets released. So we'll, we'll see. Um, any other big winners, losers that we didn't get to? Uh, I know you, again, if folks want to check it out, go to NFL.com slash Fabiano. But anybody there that jumps out that we didn't mention in the last 45 minutes? <laughs> well, we did mention Aaron Jones. And I, I don't know that he's a significant loser, but right. I, I feel like – from a long-term perspective, I still see him as a late first-round pick. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would draft him before that, but there's a chance that A.J. Dillon could get some of those goal line opportunities and regression is coming from Aaron Jones, and maybe a regression comes in the form of Aaron Jones uh, 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 in A.J. Dillon at least somewhat. I right. think Corlin Sutton saw his value decrease a little bit. I still like a him as bit. a wide receiver too, but mm-hmm. you draft two wide receivers with their first two picks, that's going to be uh, potentially an indicator that maybe the target share is not going to be as high as we thought. I think Darren Waller loses just a bit because the Raiders did add a whole lot of pass catching options to that offense. Although if Derek Carr and or Marcus Mariota do not want to go deep and I, hell, Mayock will go (laughs) nuts if they don't go deep. Mayock will absolutely (laughs) flip his lid if they don't go deep. I think Waller could see uh, a a little bit of a decline in terms of his targets. Chris Carson uh, didn't lose value because the Seahawks drafted DJ Dallas and that's it. They didn't draft mm-hmm. the running back, so hopefully he's going to be okay. James Conner also uh, seems like his value is safe right now. Uh, Anthony McFarlane's more of a change of pace back, so not going to really affect him. And Daniel Jones, don't forget about him, my favorite quarterback sleeper for 2020. The Giants took Andrew Thomas with a number four overall pick. They took Matt Pert out of UConn in round three. Uh, mm-hmm. They took Shane Lemieux. Which is going to be Lemieux? Is that the? Has there ever been a, a football player Lemieux? I mean, <laughs> I don't believe hockey. so. Maybe there has been. I don't know. But they took him out of Oregon in round five. So, look at Eddie. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. Daniel Jones, brother, he's got the protection in front of him to uh, to meet expectations now, and we already know he has the talent around him to do it. Yeah, 
Um, so, all right. I'm, I'm sure as this thing goes along and, and we kick these around some more, we'll have some guys that we feel like we're moving up and moving down because look, we're, we're in late April. Things are kind of just getting started with our summer and we'll have plenty to you know talk about, even if we have to make it up. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that will do it. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and watching as well. You know, the drill, tell two friends to tell two friends, rate review and remember a computer might beat you at chess, but it's no match for you in kickboxing. Take care of yourselves. We will see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.